Alright, I want to begin with a question today. This is a popular culture question. Anybody know what film won the Oscar for the picture, the best picture of the year in 2019? Parasite? Not Parasite. Look this up. Green Book
God's plan for God's people. He had a plan for a servant to come when we recognize that servant. Well, this servant brought a, a strong message in the very first verse. Uh, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. From the very beginning of this prophecy here in Isaiah 49, we see that there is a far-reaching way in which God wants this prophecy to land. It's not just for the land of Israel, the coastlands and the people from afar. Listen. All right, parents can, can recognize that as a command, right? You're, you're talking, you're trying to get something done, and maybe it's not being heard or processed, and you give one of those, listen, <laughs> commands. And then all of a sudden, everybody kind of straightens up, and all right, well, something important really needs, does need to happen here. And it's kind of that way. Listen to me. It's, it's one of those things that grabs our, our attention as we listen. And so we, we, we know that there's a, a wide range that is on the page here. But it's not just a wide-reaching message. It's a strong message. Verse 2 says, He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. So we have imagery here of a sword and arrow. And as we apply this specifically to the people who heard it, the Israelites, Isaiah would have uh, spoken these prophecies to and directed them to, we would know that for them this is prophecy. God's message always came with a challenge. It was a correcting, it was a, hey, uh, you need this encouragement, or you need to repent, you need to turn away, and, and, and that is very, very indicative of the relationship that Israel had with God. It was different than any of the peoples that surrounded them. They had that, uh, that relationship where God spoke to them in a way that was very challenging. We know that as Jesus ultimately fulfills this prophecy, we know that he talked in a way that challenged. I, I just happened to pick out Luke 12, 1 through 3. He, he often confronted the Pharisees in his ministry. He didn't want people to just be playing around uh, with faith or with uh, being a part of a, a gathering of believers. He didn't want to play around with position and, and trying to be full. And so he says, listen, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of that. Don't be somebody who claims to follow God and lives another way. Say, hey, I know this book inside and out, but I really don't follow it in the way that I live. Nothing is covered up. It will not be revealed. Ever feel like you can fool God? Satan loved for us to make us feel that way. Oh, God will never know that you did that. No, nothing will be concealed. Things will be revealed. It will be hidden. Nothing will be hidden. It won't be known. So therefore, whatever you said in the dark will be heard in the light. Great images, great challenge. Jesus talked this way all the time. It's impossible to read through the New Testament. It's impossible to read through the Gospels and to not be confronted with challenging messages. That's that imagery that we see here that the Israelites would have experienced and that ultimately as Jesus fulfills this, he keeps the same thing. If we're going to turn to Jesus, it's not because it's a place of comfort, it's a place of challenge where we turn away from, from the, what is wrong in our lives and our sin and we trust that we can't earn our position with God, that he uh, died to forgive us and we have to put our faith and our trust in him. So there's this strength in this message. So to serve God's servant, first, it means that we understand and we respond to a very challenging message. It means that we too would desire to listen and obey. Alright. So, 
second thing that we'll see is that this servant obeys despite difficulty. Obeyed the Lord despite difficulty. Verses 3 and 4 are very opposite. They contrast in a way that they almost collide with each other. I want to say them again. If you still have this on your screen or in your Bible, focus your eyes on verse 3. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Sounds great. But look at verse 4. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. Now I'm going to come back in a minute to verse 3 and to show you how that can be true. But I want to start with verse 4. And a question that I have for you this morning as we look at this together is how are God's purposes fulfilled in your life? How have they been fulfilled throughout the time that you have spent following Him? Okay, if you're you know, listening to this this morning and you're at a spot where you say, I don't know that I really believe yet, I don't know that I'm seeking God's purposes, I would challenge you to ask yourself the question, how would I expect God's purposes to be lived out? Is it just because I pray and I'm, I'm a great person and then God just kind of responds? How does, it, how does it happen? Is it easy? Is it difficult? Does it all rely on me? Does it all rely on him? How does this work? These are great questions. All right, now, the longer that you believe, chances are you have run into a circumstance or two or many of great difficulty. Now, let me start with Israel. Israel is on the page. Uh, verse 3, you are my servant, Israel. So in a sense, Isaiah is directly relating to Israel and bringing that language of servant to right there to, to Israel and making that connection. Could they relate to, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing? Those in Judah, Isaiah prophesied to, would have had no trouble grasping God's purposes involving difficulty. There have been a lot of difficulty throughout the generations. Uh, successful kings, disobedient kings, a lot of suffering uh, throughout the, the era of the judges. But we could even take it all the way back. Uh, their forefathers would have told the story over and over of the most prominent example where uh, their forefathers were slaves in Egypt, mistreated. The fumblings and the sins, even before that, of some of the forefathers... It all came to a head when the promises came true and God was glorified by the crossing of the Red Sea. But it says, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So, which is it? Is it difficulty or is it glory? I think we can establish by understanding what, how God reveals himself in the Old Testament that their lives were full of difficulty, but yet for seasons and through certain leaders and at certain times, God was glorified. So it mentions Israel directly. Now I'll show you in, in the next verse why we believe that Jesus ultimately fulfills these verses and is best identified as the servant here. But I want to show you a comment that Jesus made in his own life in ministry. And I want to show you God's response. Look here in John chapter 12. 
Jesus said, now, my, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus is beginning at this point to face the reality that he will suffer and die. Soul is troubled. What will I do? Father, save me from this hour. No, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I want you to see how suffering and difficulty go together with the glory of God. So often we separate those things out. We can't say, oh, that person is suffering. There's no way that God can be glorified. Absolutely the opposite is true. An established pattern, as we see it throughout biblical history, we know that periods and times of suffering bring about the glory of God. We know that to be true, of course, about Jesus. And we know that, that if we follow Jesus in serving God's servant, we know that we should expect seasons of difficulty in our lives, but to know that that difficulty can and often does lead to God receiving glory in our lives. Be encouraged in that. You don't have to have it all together for God to do something in you. You can come before Him broken and frail and in need of love and forgiveness and mercy, and He will give it and He will restore and He will establish that relationship with you, just like these words say, surely my right is with the Lord. We too, through faith, placing our faith in Jesus, have our right with the Lord. Because of what he has done, when we respond in faith, we have that same standing. He can use it. He can be glorified. Be encouraged today to know that. Lastly, the servant. Messiah of Israel offered expansive hope, bigger than any of the Israelites listening to this prophecy from Isaiah or reading it in the future would ever have been able to imagine the type of hope and the, the far-reaching nature of it. Now, I understand that many of us, and perhaps many of you who are listening, Depending on the day right now and the amount of stress that is in our lives and we're trying to figure everything out, uh, we may just feel like we're trying to make it. I'm just trying to make another step. I'm trying to get to the day. I'm trying to get this thing fixed or this problem solved or uh, this decision made. And over and over again, these patterns play out and the stress level rises. I certainly understand that. On any given day and part of the day, I myself may end up disgusted or discouraged or disgruntled. It's a human condition. We are in a season of our lives that none of us saw coming when this year dawned. And uh, this, is, uh, this is the hand that God has dealt us. And it can be a difficult path to walk in. You may agree with that this morning? Right. Okay. It's a few of you, the rest of you, uh, wake up. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. It can be difficult. But I want us to see this morning that there is hope. I uh, was so glad to have Doug uh, fill the pulpit uh, last Sunday. For those of you who listened, he gave this great uh, analogy about the, the love uh, of the dog. <laughs> and uh, this is something you're never going to get from me. You're never going to get a dog illustration in my sermon. So Doug preached and he told you about his dog. Uh, and he said, listen, this dog is, is loved. It's a part of our family. It's a part of our lives. And he craves that. 
And I want us to, I want us to kind of see that in a, in a way and, and, and to remember how Doug expanded that out, that it, it goes both ways, right? We can do more than just receive. We can, we can, unlike the dog, we can give back and we can uh, glorify Jesus. There is expansive hope in this. Now, why do we believe this is Jesus? Why do we believe this is a future servant? Look at verse 5. Now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant. Now that's the same language that we had in verse 1. So you might think it's the same thing. It's not. To bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord. If the servant is only Israel, we're not going to call on Israel to bring Israel back to God. There is another servant, a human, a specific persona, who is mentioned here, who will come and who will be used by God to... Bring people to the Lord. Now, this hope isn't just for the Israelites who are doing this. And this is where we have to remember the, the bigger scope of this series. We started at creation. And then we looked at after God had brought judgment on the world through the flood, we looked at the command that he gave to Noah and his sons. And then we looked at Abraham. And then we looked at Exodus. And then uh, last week, Doug exposed Psalm 67. And in every one of those places, where do we see the glory of God going? In every single one of those instances, the, the plan for God and for his people in this world is to take the message to the ends of the earth, to fill the earth with the glory of God. Over and over and over, we are seeing this pattern. I hope you're not bored by it. I hope you're encouraged. All right, so why, why do we keep exposing this? Why do we keep saying this? Well, first of all, let's see how it lays out today. We see the servant is honored in the eyes of the Lord at the end of the verse 5. He's become my strength. Verse 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We benefit and we as human beings, we thrive when we understand God's will for us to take the message of Jesus to the nations. That was the ultimate message of the servant. We see it here. We see it throughout the Old Testament. Of course we see it in Jesus' life and ministry and the command he gave to his disciples that we'll start to look at beginning next week. A light to the nation that salvation would reach to the ends of the earth. Now, if we're just trying to struggle through, we're just trying to make it to the next day, you might wonder, well, Pastor, why do you keep telling us that we should... We should share our faith and we should take the love of Jesus to our neighbors or to our family or to our friends. It's just one more thing to do. Don't you understand I have enough to do? Don't you understand I'm already stressed and there's a lot going on? I want to say something. I hope this lands well. I want you to be encouraged by this. I've talked to a few other pastors and we just kind of talked about how to lead people uh, through this difficult time. We're doing the best that we can. We love you, and we care about you. But here's something that one of, the, one of my pastor friends said to me this week, and I'm not afraid to say this because I really believe this is true. Uh, I talked to a pastor in Texas uh, this week, and he has um, a bunch of people that are connected to his church that have suffered with COVID-19. Uh, 
Texas is a, a real hot spot, and they have a bunch of people who have, uh, have the disease currently or have been through it and have suffered and, and have, uh, to some degree, and then have recovered. And he said, he said to me, here's what he said, Kevin, the healthiest people as believers that I know and I see are the ones right now who are going and are, are investing their lives in others in some way, shape, or form, making time to share their faith and rejoice that God is opening up doors of opportunity to do that and sing the believers. The healthiest people aren't the ones who are avoiding the virus. Get that. The healthiest people are the ones who are realizing there is an opportunity in this world to show love in such a radical way, and they're engaging it. Yes, people who have recovered from COVID who, as soon as they're able and out of quarantine and feeling well and test negative, to put on a mask and to go bang on doors and share the love of Jesus with their neighbors. And they're seeing people come to Christ through it. It's so encouraging to me and to my soul. I want us to see that. This is the type of hope that is so expansive. God doesn't give the, the command to his servant to, to be a, a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth, for us to just say, to press pause because we're so stressed for a handful of months because we can't figure out this pandemic because there's so much unknown. And here in our culture in America, everything is politicized. And so we're double stressed by that and we're doing everything we can do to figure everything out. And it's making us haywire. No, God gives us this purpose and this message so we can engage it anytime. So we can bear fruit. So we can share that love with others. God is such a, a loving God. He wants to be with us. And so if you're sitting here scratching your head today, God's plan for God's plan, what is God's plan for my life right now? You might say, maybe I haven't done the best in the middle of all this. Maybe I've been too stressed and maybe I've been too political or whatever I am. Uh, maybe I just need to, to really try to prioritize my prayer life and asking God to open up a door that I might be able to encourage somebody. Maybe that would be a healthy, uh, healthy step for you to take. I would agree, and I believe it's at the heart of, uh, of this, this series. I believe it's at the heart of what God wants us to do. I want to show you where we're going to end up next week. As we serve the servant, Jesus came. He ministered. He lived. He died. He did miracles. He was popular. He was hated. He was killed. He was put ultimately in a tomb into the glory of God. He rose from the dead. Before he ascended into heaven, after about six more weeks here on earth as a resurrected body, he said this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, even in a crazy, insane pandemic. He is with us.
is designed to go to the nations. And that we can join in that work, see the light of Jesus spread. And even though we have difficulty, and even though we may care about public health, and even though we may care about, about politics, I'm not saying to, to view everything else as irrelevant, but for us to keep focused and to live our lives thinking about making disciples. I know that every single day I need to have that shift in my mind. I need to have that focus. I need to ask God for it. I would beg and plead with you, ask God for the same. If you are not a believer, that hope is for you today. Jesus died that you can be forgiven. You can be made right with God. You can join the worldwide body of believers. That perhaps you would join a local church and serve a fellowship, faithfully committed to fellow brothers and sisters. The challenge is that serving servant requires much but it's not a burden that overwhelms, it is a burden that God supplies. Everything we need in order to carry and to follow and to exercise the faith in which we commit to and we grow.